When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm going to be answering your questions. And question number one is from Steve. You mentioned many times that on your way, you had to toughen up to become an entrepreneur. Since you went through this experience already, in retrospect, what would be your concrete steps that you would undertake to toughen up until your desired level? Uh, in addition to the 25 bullet point belief system. Okay, so um, the thing that I have or the things that I use on a daily basis now that have really been a huge part of my toughening up process has been, um, and and this is definitely, I didn't do them all at first and some of them I've only recently added. So this is me, um, like you said, in retrospect. So number one, getting your diet right. The biggest part of getting your diet right isn't just that you're going to be mentally optimized, which is huge if you want to have discipline and all of that stuff. They're they're actually, um, depending on what you eat and sleep, by the way, uh, really impacts the, the connections in your, I think it's the prefrontal cortex, of course, that... Um, gives you the ability to delay gratification and to have discipline. So um, that's a big one, and it's wildly impacted by what you eat and your sleep. On top of that, not eating certain things is huge. Being able to put something off, to not eat the marshmallows, they say, and if you guys don't know the very famous um, Stanford marshmallow experiment, it is one of the most interesting things in psychology, and it goes like this. Uh, a researcher at Stanford had these kids come in. They were like, I don't know, five or six, something like that, maybe seven, and he said, all right, here's a marshmallow, and you can eat that now, or if you wait, then I'll give you a second marshmallow, essentially double your money, but you're going to have to wait until I come back. And what the kid doesn't know is that the research is going to leave and they're never coming back. And they just want to wait and see how long before you eat that marshmallow. And what they found was the kids that could put off eating it the longest, and they ended up following them for like 25 years. The kids that could put off eating it the longest ended up doing the best in life. So they went to the best colleges, got the best grades, had the most successful relationships, uh, made the most money. I mean, it was crazy. Like on every metric that you could think to judge somebody's success, 
they were the more successful. And the ability to delay gratification is huge. So part of that toughening up process was that the ability to say, this is what I'm eating today. No matter how much I want something else, no matter how hungry I get, I'm not going to eat. That's been huge. Fasting has been huge. So every day I do a 16 hour fast. Um, but I also do prolonged fast at least once a year, a very long fast. I'll do a five hour, a five hour. I'll do a five day fast, um, once a year. And then I'm thinking about this year, beginning to sprinkle in more, um, frequent 24 hour fasts and just not eating. And the number of times that your body is telling you, Hey, go eat, go grab something. You can have that. Hey, woo, look at that. It's delicious. Have one. Um, the number of times that your brain does that is really crazy. And so you have to really get a hold of that. Um, another thing that speaks directly to toughening up is cold showers. And this was something, hopefully, a bunch of you joined me on, the cold shower challenge that I kicked off at the beginning of the year in honor of the episode with Wim Hof. Man, I did not expect cold showers to have such a profound impact on me. But the reality is you want to talk about getting tough? Take a cold shower every day. Man, knowing that you're about to get in and you get that like blast of Arctic water is rough, but it forces you to one, face that and get in the cold water, even though you don't want to, it's really pretty powerful. And then the second one is you begin to regulate your emotions as you're standing there in the water, <clears throat> which gives you the ability to, um, toughen up probably isn't the right word for this, but it's in the same vein of being able to set an intention, have a goal and march towards that goal, whether or not it's difficult. And I will definitely put in the tough camp, I'll put emotional resiliency and emotional resiliency. I probably need to find a better word for this. But what I'm talking about is the ability to be hit with a lot of external stimuli, negative external stimuli, the kind of thing that shakes most people and being able to stay the course. So whether it's not getting offended, uh, which I see people do all the time, and it seems like a massive waste of time and energy and is not people staying their course. It is people who are getting knocked off and allowing themselves to partake in outrage culture, which I think is an absurd waste of time. Um, but being able to be emotionally resilient, to not get knocked off track, to no matter what external stimuli is coming in, you ask yourself one simple question. What do I want? Where am I going? And what exactly do I need to do to get there? And having that clarity of vision and then staying the course no matter what's happening is hard as hell. Practicing by being in a cold shower is one of the most profound ways that I've seen to do that. The other thing that I would do is work out. Working out for me anyway absolutely sucks. I hate it. I do not do it because I like it. I know some people do. My wife, for instance, if I even intimate that she should take a day off the gym because we have a meeting or something and the only time I can do it is while she's working out, that does not go over well. And she really gets something out of it that I don't. But nonetheless, I do it because it's hard. I do it because you meet yourself in fatigue. You meet yourself in the hard things. When you're doing something that is hard, when you're doing the things that you don't want to do, that's exactly when you find out where you're really at. It is a gut check, man. You figure out whether you have the fortitude right now or that weak voice is screaming in your mind so much that you can hardly see straight. And at those moments you definitely need to have practiced, trained to be able to stay the course, to overcome that, to push yourself. All right, so those are the things that I would say fall directly into the camp of like toughening up. Um, but there are a whole host of other things that I would say fall along those lines, things like meditating. I mentioned sleep. 
there are other things that feed into it, um, but we'll leave it at that for now. All right, next part of this multi-pronged question. What books would you read if you had to start from scratch? Hey, the great news on this one is that I've already put on the website, the, I think it's like 27 books that I would read in order. So if you go to impacttheory.com right now, you can sign up uh, for our newsletter, first of all. And second, for free, without needing to do anything, you'll be able to see the book list right there. You don't even have to um, sign up for the newsletter. But I think the newsletter is badass, by the way. Um, so I highly encourage that. All right, next question. What are the particular skills you would learn and cultivate first? Oh God, this has everything to do with what your dream is. Like, what are you trying to make come true in your life? The reality is if I had to do it all over again, I would probably go to Steven Spielberg and give him the 90 day speech. And I would say, dear Mrs. Spielberg, I'm willing to work harder and smarter than anyone you've ever met. I will do it for 90 days absolutely free. My goal is by the end of that 90-day period to be so valuable to you that you'd rather pay me than lose me. But if not, we shake hands and part ways. Um, and to be honest, like, yeah, if I'm really honest, I would probably go more ham than that. Like, I I probably wouldn't put a 90-day timer on it if I'm really honest. Like, thinking about now what I wish I could have done, I wish I had had the guidance or been smart enough to figure out what really would have propelled me forward. And look, I am grateful for having generated wealth in my life. That has come in very handy. But if I could have spent the last 15 years building relationships and learning about filmmaking, I would be much farther ahead in terms of building the studio than I am now. So um, yeah, I, I got very powerful things out of the path that I took. But I think that if I had to do it all over again, that's exactly what I would do. And if he said no, I would go to the next person and the next and the next and the next until I found somebody that took me up on that offer. And then I would do it as long as I possibly could. I would sleep in a hovel. I would eat Tina's burritos. I know I would because I did it. And they were three for 99 cents. And it was amazing. And that was how I got through my poor days. I would eat ramen. I would do whatever the hell I had to. I would shower at a YMCA if that's what it took. But let me tell you, I would find a way to be near the people that can teach me what I need to learn and open the doors because knowledge and connections are far more valuable than money. And if you let me rant for a minute, I saw something in, I don't know, the New Yorker, New York Times, whatever it was. And it was talking about how people are up in arms um, about this article that this woman wrote about how no one comes to her to be an intern anymore. And people were like, just ripping her apart and saying, oh man, can you believe it? People won't work for free. Like basically saying that this chick is crazy for thinking that people would want an internship. And let me tell you right now, it is an exchange of value. Yes, you're getting someone working for you as a business owner for free. And that is amazing. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to know the real advice for how I would short circuit my way to the top, I would go work for free because that's going to get you access to people and information you otherwise wouldn't have access to because they want to exchange value. Most people are not looking to take advantage of you. That's just a reality. And if you're coming at this shit from a cynical point of view, then that's what you're going to see. But just like Einstein said, the most important decision you have to make is whether you live in a friendly or a hostile universe. And I'm telling you right now, you live in a friendly universe, but I can't make you believe that. I can't make you believe that good things will come from stuff like that. People just have to embrace it or not. But man, that is the reality, man. I'm telling you right now, that is exactly where I would start. All right. Forgive the rant, but there it is. Set yourselves free, people. Uh, what are the particular skills you would learn? I already 
read that. My apologies. Where would you put the priority within your day-to-day to make the learning experience most effective according to what you have experienced? Um, so here's the thing that I have recently been experimenting with, and this has has transformed me more than I think anything in the last probably <clears throat> four or five years. I have killed every single notification you can imagine. So you could be texting me as I'm holding my phone, and I'd never know because I don't allow the notifications to go off, and that has been a game changer. It allows me to focus, to know what my agenda is, and to execute against my agenda with aggression. And I really think part of the problem, like I don't think that social media is bad. I don't think social media is a problem. I spend a fair amount of time for obvious reasons on social media. But I will tell you, I chunk it. When I'm in social media, I'm in social media and I'm not bouncing around. And when I'm writing, I'm writing and I'm not bouncing around. When I'm talking to the team, I'm talking to the team and I don't have my phone out. I'm not checking anything, man. Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it totally focused. And I'm getting in the zone and I'm staying there. That's one. Two, I've told this so many times. My morning routine used to be a comedy routine. I would literally lay in bed for hours and hours and hours. It's so crazy. I'm so sick of saying that. It just reinforces that horrifying period of my life. So I would get the fuck out of bed and I would start making rules to get me working right away because the reality is, man, I'm sharp in the morning. So that is huge for me. So getting things done right away, doing the most important thing and, and, and this doesn't really go to your question, but I will tell you this. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. And don't put off for an hour what you could do right now. Take the hardest things, scratch that. Take the important things and do them first. And don't ever let the level of difficulty determine what order you do things in. If it's the thing that needs to be done that's going to have the most impact towards you reaching your goals, do it first. Whether it is the most difficult thing in the world or the easiest, it doesn't matter. You're going to do the thing that is going to have the biggest impact on you reaching your goals. So just general time management would have been huge. And I had none of that. How was it for you at the beginning spending time with the tough people when you were not yet on peer level? Um, That was super hard in the beginning. And then it got just insanely easy because of one single switch that I made in my mindset. And that switch was I went from building my self-esteem around being smart and being right to being the learner. And once I stopped deriving value from being smarter than the people who I was not their peer because they were so far ahead of me, and quite frankly, so many of them were so much smarter than me, but once I divorced my sense of self-worth and value from that and made it all about how willing am I to learn so I could feel good about myself, whether or not I was able to play at their level yet, I just so focused on I'm going to be able to get better. I'm going to be able to improve. And that's the reality, man. You can all improve. Like this, this, uh, this is such a beautiful gift. You can get good at anything. The amount that you can grow and change is so extraordinary to waste any time thinking about how limited you are or that some people will always be better than you because yes, secret of secrets, there are some people that are going to be better than you no matter what you do. But why? If you're at level seven, let's say, of your potential, and you can get to level 7,000 and people 
worry and end up not doing anything because they're like, but I'm limited. I can only get to 7,000. And there are some people that get all the way to 10,000 or whatever. And so they stay at seven. Like that to me is crazy. Don't worry about whether other people are ultimately going to be better than you. Swing for the fucking fences. Tell yourself, I'm going to be the best in the world. And then that's the only way that you're going to get to really maximizing your potential, hitting that 7,000. Don't worry that somebody is going to be able to get to 10,000. If you focus on them, worrying about them, deriving value from whether or not you're actually going to be able to get to level 10,000 when some other people can, you'll never get to level eight, let alone 7,000 at your max. And I see people do this all the time. And so you've got to switch what you build your self-esteem around because going from level seven to level 7,000 should be awesome, man. It should be one of the most enjoyable experiences of your life. We as humans love the pursuit of mastery. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. And if I could help people break free of this notion that like, oh shit, if I say this out loud, then I'm gonna be embarrassed if it doesn't come true. That's not true. What are you building? And actually, it is true. You are gonna be embarrassed, but what does it matter? If you derive your sense of self-worth from the sincere pursuit of greatness, meaning it's okay if you don't ever achieve it. It's okay if you never become great. But if every day you're really showing up and you are actually trying to get great at this thing, by the way, that you love, that you love the pursuit of, if you're doing that, feel good about that, man. Feel really, really good about that because you are sincerely doing your best to become great. Like you're not allowing yourself a false growth mindset, which I won't derail on that. I've had some recent experiences here at Impact Theory, which have just made me obsessed with this notion of, you can imagine people here, people want to work here because they hear all this talk about a growth mindset. They want to be surrounded with people with a growth mindset. I get people to write me all the time that want to work here and I'm so beyond honored. The truth is, so many people think they have a growth mindset, but they, they are awash in self-imposed limitations. I mean awash. All right, I said I wouldn't derail on that. Next question. Sam, what are some chronological steps, activities, exercises to define your goals when you feel a bit meh? At the moment, I'm not really sure what my goals are short-term or long-term, or what kind of life I really want to live. I guess you could say I have hit a mental roadblock. I've tried vision boarding, listening to content like yours, etc., but haven't found something that has sparked further inspiration. Could you recommend some additional steps, exercises to take to work on defining goals, or is it just a matter of patience? Well, long-time listeners know how I feel about that. I am also considering taking some time to travel and hoping that the break will add some clarity to my life. Is there something, is this something that you would support? Yes, very much that is something that I would support. And if you know Kevin Kelly, he talks about not prematurely optimizing. I think that is so smart. Here's the big problem. What you're facing is the same thing that basically everyone faces. That is, hey, all this talk about passion, all this talk about purpose, meaning having a mission in life, what's my why, all of that, that must be for other people, it's not for me, because nothing feels right. So here's the punchline to that. There is no magic why, passion, um, love, hiding within you. There isn't. You're going to have to develop it. So passion Having a mission, a why, is not an archaeological dig. It is not uncovering something that has been latent inside of you your entire life. It is about realizing that there are some things you find more interesting than others. 
But that's it. That's all it's ever going to be. So yes, there is that bit of discovery where it's like, hey, you have to go experience the world, which is why I think traveling is a great idea. It's going to shake up your frame of reference. It's going to force you to see things from a totally different perspective. And I think that is rad. And it's going to hopefully allow you to encounter a lot of different things and a lot of different ideas. And from that, you're going to find the thing that sparks your interest. But it's just going to be interest. From there, it's not about being patient. It's about actively developing. It's about choosing. It's picking one and saying, I'm going to go at this a hundred miles an hour. And by the way, if as I go down this path, I don't enjoy it, I can always change direction. I will forever be vigilant about whether or not I'm always changing a direction because that then becomes a sign of a lack of grit. So I would say, if you think this could be the thing and you go all in on something and you've made that switch more than three or four times, I would say we have a grit problem more than anything, which some people will call a commitment problem. But I will say it's somebody who has fallen in love with the neurochemistry of the new, and they haven't figured out how to navigate the changing neurochemistry of something that goes from new and exciting, like a cocaine rush, and it becomes something more mature, something that has to do with pushing past your limits, doing the hard things, really valuing yourself for your willingness to um, force yourself into an adaptation mode, which comes from doing a lot of boring shit, which comes from pushing long after it stopped being fun and has everything to do with you decided that there was something important enough in your life that requires these skills. And because that thing is so important to you that you're going to get these skills no matter what it takes. Now, sometimes it may be something that you have a visceral reaction, like let's take music, learning to play an instrument. Now, you're going to do a lot of boring stuff, but if playing for people, if playing that music, even just for yourself, takes you somewhere emotionally, then it's worth it. You want to be able to unlock that emotional journey by getting better at the physical side of the art form. And I think that when people can find that thing that has that sort of visceral impact, even if it's being, um, you know, a litigation attorney and you like being in the courtroom and you like defending somebody or you like going, you know, for justice, like whatever your thing is, if the innate act brings value to you and feeds into what you have decided is your purpose. And then by the way, and so if it feeds into that, then it's going to make sense for you to keep pushing and gaining those skills. All right. Now, Going back to this whole decide thing, it really is that. It really is a process. You really do just decide that you're going to make something important in your life. And through repetition, it's going to actually begin to take on meaning in your life. So you're going to tell yourself that you're about that thing, justice, whatever. You're going to tell yourself that you're all about that thing. You're going to act in accordance with that. You're going to develop a skill set that allows you to serve not only yourself, but other people that feeds into this why that you've decided is going to be your shtick. And you're going to just repeat it to yourself, repeat it to other people and pursue it in sincerity. When you start doing that, you're going to see over time, it really does take on a visceral level of importance in your life, which means as you do it, no one's going to have to convince you to feel cool about it or rad that you're doing these things. You're just actually going to feel that. So that is the punchline. There isn't anything hiding within you. You need to be active. You need to go explore. Don't prematurely optimize. Go explore. Find your areas of interest. None of them will be self-evidently going to be the thing that you should dedicate your life to. You're going to pick one. You're going to try it. You're going to go down the path of gaining mastery. All right. James. How do I set bigger goals that scare me in a meaningful way? I've been crushing your content. Thank you. 
and that of your guests since Inside Quest. Thus, my sleep, meditation, food, and fitness are dialed in. I have crushed goals and reached new levels of life that I never thought possible. However, now as a finely tuned adaptation machine, I find that I don't have goals that set me on fire like before. So I am seeking the attention and stimulus of other people because I am bored without vision uh, of that scary goal. How do I get back to only do, say, and believe that which moves you towards your goals if my goals now bore me? The easy answer is you need to go develop some goals that really excite you. That's that's just the reality. And that whole thing that I just went through about deciding and then going down the path of gaining mastery, that's precisely what you need to do. And I don't know that you need goals that scare you. I think the more important thing is you need to be doing things on a day-to-day basis that give you more energy than they take. So I will just tell you right now, when I'm um, I'm literally going to finish recording this and then I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to Prague. And I know in Prague, I'm going to be on a stage and I'm going to be speaking to people. And afterwards, I'm going to get a chance to interact with them one-on-one and all of that stuff fills me up. It fills me up. And there's just something so powerful about being able to One, share what I've learned. Two, whenever I give a talk, I'm learning something new about myself and about the ideas. And then three, meeting the people who are really being impacted by it, understanding what resonates, looking in someone's eye and seeing how that impacts them. It's like, I I just want to keep doing it. I want to get better at it and I want to help more people. And it just becomes like the self-reinforcing cycle. It is a positive feedback loop, meaning the more I do it, the more I want to do it. So I do it more. So then I want to do it more. And it just keeps going and going and going. So That's huge. For me, writing is the same way. When I'm writing, all I want to do is write. And so you just want to get locked into that zone and do it because it's giving more than it's taking. So it the thing that drives me like is only partly the notion of, oh, I'm going to build a studio that's bigger than Disney. And yeah, that's so big. And it's super exciting to think about who I will have to become in order to be good at that. Like that actually is really exciting. And I see um, success as a game. I see, you know, it's like, I want to see, can I win the, the Super Bowl here? Can I get so good that I can't be denied? Can I beat everybody else? And every day waking up and really thinking about it like that and thinking, hmm, like how can I out strategize people? How can I actually build this stuff up? And there are things happening happening, man. It's so rad. And it's like tracing back to figure out what move I made. I actually started a new um, notebook in Evernote called Making Moves. And it's along the lines of my important things list. And it's what should I be doing? Um, Important things is what should I be doing right now? Any moment that I have a spare second, I don't want to have to think about what I should be doing. I just pull out my important things list and boom, 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 you go down the list. Same thing with making moves. It's like, who are the people And what are the things that I need to be meeting or doing that are going to allow me to move towards my goals? And really looking at the strategy of it all is a lot of fun. So it isn't just having this big goal that scares me. It really is about loving that thing that you do. Like, what's the day-to-day thing? And I think this is where people freak me out with the way that they live their lives is they hate their Monday through Friday And they're just living for the weekends, but then the weekends become essentially this hedonistic thing because they've essentially denied themselves the dopamine rush of loving what they do all week long and the sort of meaning and purpose of it all. And so the weekend becomes this just, you know, not party. It's not always that. Like when I was in that space, it was never partying, but it was like, you're just doing things that are pleasurable on a hedonistic level. They're not necessarily long range thinking. So one of the solutions for you is going to be, how do I do things that light me on fire in and of themselves 
regardless of whether they're a huge goal, regardless of whether I accomplish them or not. Just is this something that fills me up? And if it is, then I think that you will find that the question of having these grand, scary goals goes away and it just isn't what you're focused on. And then once you're feeling alive, then you may really begin to build out these bigger goals again. Um, There is something fascinating about the goals have begun to bore you um, after becoming an optimization or an adaptation machine that I find interesting. Something tells me if we were sitting down together, we could unravel that thread. Um, And I would be very interested to learn more about that because there there is something there. Um, With all the love in my heart, I say this, I smell a rat. And I think that there's something going on in the way that you're approaching your life and you may be, maybe asking the wrong question. All right. But without knowing you, I can't tell you what the right question is. All right. Next one is anonymous. I recently married my dream woman, moved to my dream city and live a wonderful life all in all. I am full-time employed with a flexible working schedule and therefore can pursue my passion filmmaking and photography. What's up? Quite well on the side, making a few hundred bucks a month, though I struggle a lot to find any motivation in my day job since it's just not my thing. It does pay my bills, average salary for my region. It's a great job, a good company, but not more and not less. I am still in debt, 10K, just for context. Should I be more grateful and enjoy the great life I already have and keep pursuing my passion on the side? Or should I quit and go all in since I know I can make money already with it? Okay, so there is no right answer for this one. It's going to come down to what do you value? If you value security, then don't quit and just go all in because you're really going to struggle in the beginning of this, I assure you. Remember, the struggle is guaranteed, the success is not. So you're going to have to really look at that struggle and be like, yeah, I'm cool with that because I'm going to love what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis so much that I would rather be struggling than be secure and doing something that I think is meh. All right. Now, on the flip side of the coin, if you're like me and you're all about upside, like I have got to have upside potential, then I'm going to lean heavier and heavier on my um, my hustle, the, the passion, the thing that I really care about. Now, in my life, I have actually done both. I've quit a job and gone all in on my entrepreneurial journey. So when I went from being a telemarketer to selling um, basically insurance door to door, but it was, I was a, you know, an independent contractor essentially. So it was me, I had no boss. It was like, If you sell it, you make money. And if you don't, you don't. And so I just quit and went all in on that. And I ended up like that. That was hard. And that was not a great time in my life. And so the next time the opportunity came up like that, I did not quit my job. And that was when we started Quest. So when we started Quest, it was a huge question mark. We didn't know that that it was going to work. And we had a successful technology company. And even though I was desperate to get out of it. And the story gets more complicated because I did try to quit, but then my partners pulled me back in. And, um, but ultimately as we were going towards the point where we were going to sell the company, um, and I had agreed not to quit and stay in it. Then what we started doing was building quests nights and weekends. And I preferred that. And it was a lot more work, but it was a lot less stressful because I knew, okay, well, we've got the room and quite frankly, the funds to buy us the runway that we need to get this thing going. Um, so, 
it comes down to like where you're at in your life. So I was the second go round. I was married. And so I was a little less likely to take big risks. Um, so where are you? And then what is your natural inclination? Like, are you thrilled at the idea of burning the ships of the shore? If you are, go for it. It'll be a swift kick in the ass. And remember, you can always get another job. So if you're good, and not everybody's good. But assuming that you're good and that you can actually generate money for other people, you will be able to get another job of this, I assure you. And in that, knowing that you can always get another job, then maybe it's worth the risk. But I cannot answer that question for you. But I can tell you, if you want to get good, let me talk to you about Skillshare. That was seamless, right? I really do love these guys, by the way. They are absolutely amazing. They are, for those of you that don't know, they're an online learning community for creators. They have over 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. You'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, which is huge, creativity, and career. You can take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. We use these guys in-house to get everything going on our comic book series. Um, so I can't vouch for them enough. So whether you guys are looking to cultivate a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching for your goals. Um, I highly recommend that you give this a shot. At least give it a shot. We're going to have a free offer for you coming up, so you really have nothing to lose. But if you're going to give it a shot, you guys are going to be joining millions of students already learning on Skillshare. Um, like I said, we have that special offer for you. You're going to get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Impact Theory listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. If you guys want to sign up, just go to Skillshare.com slash Impact Theory. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash Impact Theory. You can start your two free months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Impact Theory. All right. The reason that I love those guys is skill acquisition is the name of the game. If you've got the skills, one, it's going to help you with your own side hustle. And then two, if your side hustle tanks, then you're going to be able to go back and get a job. But I think a lot of times people aren't being realistic about where they are in their skill set. Like part of the reason that we didn't just bail on um, awareness technologies and go into Quest was like we didn't know shit about making protein bars. So it's like going into it, you know there's going to be this huge learning curve. And hopefully for you guys, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd be a little shocked if you weren't excited by the idea of having to learn something new. I love having a reason to learn new stuff. That That is the very thing that lights me on fire. And I do need a reason. Like just learning random shit just doesn't feel as powerful to me. And look, that's a value system that I've built up over time. But when I have something specific, a goal I'm going after, and that goal requires me to acquire a new skill, dude, I get so amped up. Oh, it's so much fun. So anyway, that is how I would think about your problem. So there's no sort of one size fits all answer. Um, but if you said, Tom, you have to decide for me, I would say do nights and weekends and then hold yourself accountable. That's the big part. All right. Peter Herrick. Yeah. Toward the beginning of the Wim Hof episode, episode, you refer to him as a real life superhero. Given your interest in comics and superheroes, if you could meld the outstanding abilities of some of your guests, which ones and what powers? I'm sure David Coggins will be in there, but the others would be interesting to hear. Okay, so, oh, uh, wow. Well, 
when you start getting into the abstract of of creating superheroes, I will tell you that one person that pops to mind is David Eagleman. And if you guys look at what he does, go back and watch his episode. First of all, it's amazing. He's an incredible human being, Uh, somebody I'd really like to spend more time with. But what he's doing to give people basically extrasensory perception, like he created this device that would let you feel, feel, feel the stock market. I always thought that was so cool or anything else, quite frankly, that has a data stream um, that you could assign sort of uh, some correlation between, you know, going up or going down. Um, I think that's really cool. He's used it to give blind people a sense of sight on their tongue. They've done it on the tongue, on the back, on the abdomen. It's bananas to think that you can give somebody a sense of vision on their tongue or their stomach. It's crazy. But nonetheless, real. Um, that guy is just super fly. So, yeah, I would definitely include him in the mix. Uh, David Goggins, I think, will come as no surprise. That guy basically is a superhero. I mean, he's just insane. Like, uh, yeah, yes, what he's done to his mind is a thing of beauty. It's amazing, yeah. So, Mr. Goggins would be one. Um, who else? Who's had some rad, obviously, Wim Hof? I'm on my Wim Hof tip every day. That's a lie. I was on my Wim Hof tip every day. Um, now I'm on my Wim Hof tip four to five days a week, if I'm completely honest. Um, but it is rad. Taking cold showers is, yeah, very, very powerful. Um, man, I'd have to think back to people that have like persuasion. So who'd we have that was rad at persuasion? Um, we had um, Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. That was cool. She's got some some amazing stuff. And I think the ability to persuade people is super, super powerful. All right. I will leave it at that. All right. Jorge. I'm a nutritionist graduate and currently in an internship program at the Health and Sciences Division of one of the biggest food companies helping create nutritional supplements for cancer patients. Well, thank you for your contributions. Recently, another intern joined the team. I know him from our university, but we are only acquaintances and not close friends. The problem is that he is very slow to catch up with the things we have to do, and I catch myself having to explain the same things over and over again. I've been very good so far to try to help him wherever I can, but I'm having to more and more stop with my things to go help him, and it's becoming difficult to hide my impatience. Sometimes I slip some passive comments that I shouldn't say come out. I don't want to be seen as someone who is whining about his coworker, but it's getting really demotivating for me to go to work, even though I really like what we do. Any suggestions? Yes. So this is all about principles, my friend. So you are going to speak truth and hear truth. So one, it is entirely possible that you're the problem. So I'll just float that out there. I don't know that. And I don't have any reason to believe from what you said that that's true. I just know at all times, we always have to leave open the possibility that we're the ones coming from a frame of reference that is not useful in the situation. And maybe this guy is slow, but maybe he's like crazy good. And the people that brought him on see something that you don't. That is possible. And you have to open yourself up to that. The next thing is you got to be honest about where his performance is. So don't whine. Go and be constructive. Lay out what you what your thoughts are. Lay out what you would like to see happen in the situation. Have a plan of attack, not just a problem. But either way, speaking up and saying exactly what you feel, I think is really critical. And being willing to say it to that person's face, which is the hard part, but that's what you got to do. Read Ray Dalio's principles. It is insanely powerful. And even if in, in impact theory, even if you're prepared to take your criticism to the grave, you have an obligation 
to speak up about it. And that means saying some really hard, uncomfortable shit. And we've had some meetings where it's like, oh God, all I wanted to do was not say something. But I know if you don't build on a foundation of being brutally honest, then nope, radically candid, not brutally honest, radically candid. Thank you, Ray Dalio. If you don't build your company on a foundation of being radically candid, you won't be able to scale. I know from experience, it ends up being gnarly. You've got to be open. You've got to be open. You've got to be direct. Um, I think Ray Dalio says the greatest kindness is honesty. And it, it really can hurt to hear sometimes. But the truth is, knowing the truth about yourself needs to be one of your highest values. That's just real. And the only way that you're going to know the truth about yourself is if people say the hard things. Yes, you're going to have a gnarly moment where you're having to face a reality. It may come with a lot of tears. It may come with a lot of suffering. But the reality is, on the other side of that is a better life, is a better understanding of where you're at so that you can address it with skill acquisition. So, yeah. That's how I deal with it. Don't let your life devolve into a joyless misery because you were afraid to speak up. Um, There's no strength in that, A. I don't think there's anything to respect in that, B, which means you're going to start feeling that. You're going to know that you're just wussing out. And then C, you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to get your job going in the right direction again. And D, you're certainly robbing them of the needed awareness to grow and get better. All right. LJ from the UK. I'm a 29-year-old professional working in the UK public sector and am due to turn 30 in a few months' time. Out of curiosity, I've been looking at articles about things to do before you turn 30 and have thankfully done most of the suggestions, including working abroad in six different countries, learning a new language, traveling by myself, volunteering, sorting my health and physical fitness out, focusing on building my leadership skills, et cetera, et cetera. What insights would you share or challenges would you pose to a 29-year-old to take the last few months of their 20s to the next level? All right, so I'm going to disappoint you tremendously. I don't think that the barrier to year 30 is meaningful in any way, shape, or form. So I think that you should be taking whatever time you can to revisit what your goals are and making sure that you're marching towards them. I was never worried about um, my goals. Once I realized that I was going to miss um, making a film by 24 that was as good as Citizen Kane, I just sort of let go of all of that stuff and just started thinking about, all right, I'm slow. It just is what it is. I've got a long slog ahead of me. I just want to get better. I want to avoid what feels like encroaching depression. And so putting myself on a path to getting better, that was just my shtick. And so every day I was just like, how do I get better? How do I get better? How do I get better? Um, And now looking back, realizing that doing things that I love on a day-to-day basis is huge. So yeah, I, I wouldn't worry. I think you're focusing on the wrong thing if you're thinking about how to eke the most out of the remaining months that you have as a 29-year-old. It it just doesn't matter. Don't judge yourself by when you do things. Judge yourself by how you do things. And if you're approaching things with sincerity and you're really going all out to become the greatest version of yourself and gain the skills that are valuable to you, that's all that matters. All right. And with that, I'm going to bid you all adieu. Thank you so much for joining me. If this added value, it'd be amazing if you shared it. I would really, really appreciate that. Um, If you're so inclined, leaving a rating and a review on the podcast would be huge. I'm desperately trying to get into the top 100. So it would help if you did that. All right, guys, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my at Tom Bilyeu feeds on Instagram and YouTube. Those would be my two faves. All right, until next time, my friends, be legendary.